So hello and welcome to The Reset Show, episode number 17, engaging employees in a virtual world. We all know about that. Uh, that's been the story of our lives <clears throat> for the last year. We are delighted to be joined today by not one, but two special guests. Yes, we have Karen Notaro and Ruth Patel from the Ministry of Justice here in the UK. Now, between Karen and Ruth, they have over 20 years experience in the civil service, but of course, looking at them, you wouldn't know, how is that possible? And we're now, and they're now working together as people insight managers for the MOJ people group. So um, Karen and Ruth, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your work shortly. Before then, the usual round of thanks to my co-hosts, Emma Bridger, and Belinda Ganaway and our producer Katie Austin. Welcome and thanks to those of you who have joined us today for the live recording and of course a big shout out to our viewers on YouTube and our podcast listeners. Over to Belinda now for a brief reminder of what the show was all about. Thank you, great to be back after our break. So The Research Show is a podcast and our YouTube channel, and it's a conversation, really. It's a conversation of exploring what are the opportunities to rethink how we work, where we work, and how we treat each other at work. So it was born during the early days of the pandemic, and hopefully it will survive and live long after we've forgotten whatever that was. So we host different um, interesting people and speakers and have an interesting conversation every couple of weeks and then share it on all good podcast channels and YouTube. It's great to be back. Cool. Why don't we start then um, by finding out a bit more about you, uh, uh, Karen and Ruth. Sure, our viewers would love to hear a bit more about you. Tell us a bit about, you know, your role. What, what sort of stuff are you involved with at the MOJ? And then we'll ask you a little bit more about the MOJ itself as well. So let's start with you, finding out a bit more about you guys. I'll go first. So my name's uh, Karen Nataro, and yes, um, one of three um, people insight managers. So work in HR, although I am uh, a almost a 21-year civil servant. Uh, thinking back to what you were saying, Justin, about I don't look old enough. I don't think it must be the, the cocoa butter that I use on, on my skin that keeps me looking youthful. But I've pre pretty much worked in operational background for sort of about 17 years in, in different departments. And then I, I took the strange leap into into HR about almost five years ago actually and I have to say I've never looked back I thoroughly enjoy it because I'm now in a role where I can influence and really help create more good days at work for our people so you know we use uh, people survey data to really understand people's experience what makes them tick um, to help put those kind of HR interventions in place to, to make it better for them so that that's kind of from, from my perspective Ruth what about you? Yeah, so um, I am a 19-year civil servant um, now, and um, but my background is a bit different because I, my entire civil service has been in um, HR and the people profession, um, entered the uh, Crown Prosecution Service back in 2002 as um, an admin assistant and um, have just moved my way through kind of different kind of uh, employment and people related fields and so I was really fortunate to get sponsored to do um, my master's in HR management and 
the whole kind of realm of employee engagement and employee experience and kind of that side of things um, really resonated with me because every kind of role I'd been in, it, I'd been really passionate about making work better for people and people having a really good experience at work. Um, so I decided that was where the area I really wanted to uh, specialise in. And I've been always really attracted to kind of the justice realm. So so moving over to the Ministry of Justice was just um, p- perfect for me. Um, but yeah, as, as Karen said, we, we're all about gathering insight about our workforce and then using that to kind of make people's experiences better. And we're starting to embark on a lot of work around um, uh, personas and the employee life cycle. Um, and we've been working with People Lab um, and on this and following their approach so yeah that's that's a bit about me oh thank you thanks guys um yeah really delighted to get get you guys on today because you've you've got some really good stories to tell and um just a bit of background i guess i um i first came well was first introduced to you guys when we first started people lab so it was what's 12 years ago i got to work with karen and rob neil who was there then and I was hugely impressed, actually, with the work you were doing even back then, because I think, you know, you look at central government body like the Ministry of Justice feels pretty, you know, pretty traditional, I think. But actually, you are doing some fantastic, real cutting edge sort of stuff. And um, I mean, there's, there's loads of there's loads of stories we could go into, right? Because you've done lots of great work. But in particular today, I wanted to focus on this um, engaging in a virtual world, because I know when we all went to lockdown, 23rd of March, 2020, you know, it was a huge, huge deal for, for an organisation like yours. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about what happened then? What, what was it like working in the MOJ when you went into lockdown and, and what were some of the initial changes you had to make? So obviously it's kind of, you're quite right about us being traditional. Um, I mean, Emma, you were obviously involved with us when we first started the Engagement Champions Network back in back in the day when we had like one event a year where we brought everyone together to kind of share best practice. And, you know, the network has just grown and grown and grown and grown. And But traditionally, we've always done face-to-face events. But then, you know, obviously COVID happened. It was like, right, OK, we can't do this anymore. So what can we actually do? So we'd actually done a learning survey. Actually, Ruth, do you want to talk a bit about the learning survey before I carry on? Yeah, sure. So we... Um kind of just before lockdown, I think it was around um, around the start of February, we'd done a survey with our engagement champions um, to find out actually what they wanted to learn more about, um, kind of any areas where they wanted to upskill in terms of creating a good employee experience and around employee engagement and the ways they like to learn and connect with us. And this really came out of us um, refreshing our strategy for our champions network and making it um, much more focused about kind of um, capability building. And what we found from that survey was um, a lot of people were saying that they really liked learning from us and learning from their peers. And, you know, the kind of more traditional things in terms of maybe looking for looking at some resources with signposted who were great but they didn't really have the time or they'd forget to do it um, because they've got really 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 busy day jobs um, but we were running events and um, kind of like day-long events and going around regionally and things like that um, but there was also barriers in terms of getting release and could people travel to them things like that so we knew we needed to kind of start looking at doing things slightly differently before the before the pandemic hit but when that hit we it was then a real catalyst we we can get this moving now 
absolutely um so yeah we we really used it as an opportunity so i mean literally ms teams i think got rolled out the second week into lockdown so you know we had this huge learning curve ourselves to go on in terms of you know oh how do we do this and you know i i think i should have a t-shirt with sansa sansa you're on mute you know because we, we <laughs> seem to spend all our times on on meetings saying you're on mute and then you unmute yourself and it automatically does it again it's quite frustrating but we'd actually done um we 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 we, we were just spending some time sort of thinking how we can how we can do this um and for national day for staff networks in may we we decided let, let's use some of the technology that we've got we appreciate that not everyone in the organization is on that technology yet and even a year later still not everybody is on that technology so you know one of our biggest barriers of engaging with everybody is that they're not on the same tech as yet although that work is sort of happening and so we use live events but we both come out of it thinking yeah that was great Right, but we can't see people. We don't really know if anyone's there. We're talking to ourselves. We like to interact with people. You know, we're, we're, we are quite extroverted, even though we're both come out as introverts on, on MBTI, interestingly. Um, and so we thought, you know, let, let's just set this up as a normal meeting. Let's, let's just do a normal meeting, limited to 50 people, but yet let's use some of those themes that we took from the learning survey and let, let's host some events. So we, we, we bravely and perhaps stupidly decided that we were going to do six events over what was it, about two, three months. It wasn't a massive period of time. So it basically meant we were doing an event every two weeks, which was crazy. Um, but we, we, we went through the themes and Ruth, Ruth decided, first of all, let, let's do engagement fundamentals let's go back to basics you know Khan let's do you know the in the enablers of engagement and obviously bringing in the fifth enabler of, uh, of employee involvement um so you know the the aon hewitt work because obviously that for that links women with our people survey and then i i sort of had the idea of okay we've got these the rest of these themes why don't we ask people the order in which they want to learn them in so we, we set up a little poll on the event and we got people at the event to then vote for the theme for the next one. And we've just continued that going and we've had more and more people coming. And I think what's great is that where is the, the where is the the face-to-face -face events it was always one theme it, it was it, people come along they attended and then they went back to their offices and there was no further connection people have been able to stay connected and they've been able to come to the events that matter to them so if they're interested in something on influencing and persuasion so we've seen different audiences at each event so our outreach has actually been better than what it was when we were doing things face to face so that was a big sort of learning um, opportunity for us but you know when we've brought in um, external speakers so we had someone from um, the Ministry of Defence actually come along and talk about someone in comms to talk about effective communications and you know he started his section by by playing a song on the guitar and it was amazing which Ruth didn't know anything about I'd kept that as a little bit of a surprise but lovely that, surprise that, 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 that was great and we've also had you know we we'd we're some someone to say it'll be great if we could find out what the impact that COVID's had on engagements so it's like right let's go away and we found someone um to come along and sort of run that that event for us so we've been learning as much as the kind of champions have been learning Ruth anything else you want to add from your side on that yeah I think I think it's I mean, we're obviously a, a network and I think it's just brought the network closer as well, because before people would really meet each other at the events, they might um, we would have we'd had an online collaboration hub. But, you know, it was it was, um, you know, you could post something in a 
in a chat and ask people for help, but it tended to be the same people who would use it because they were comfortable with using it. But by bringing people together virtually, you've got the regions, it's broken down barriers across our regions. It's broken down barriers across our agencies as well, because um, for those that aren't really familiar with the Ministry of Justice, you know, we're, we're kind of 70,000 strong and we're made up of, um, of really, really varied roles and we're across the whole UK. So we employ prison officers, we employ lawyers, we employ probation officers, court clerks, policy makers, finance experts, you know, it, it goes, it's, it's, it's really broad. So it's broken down some of those barriers between professions, between roles, between, between regions and people are staying connected. You know, we, we, we run little breakout sessions in, in, in the events. And so people get to know each other. And what we're finding more and more now is people just flood the chat and you get little conversations going between people. And, and that's fantastic because people, we don't want them just to learn from us what we're presenting or whoever speakers we have or from the workshops but actually their insights and what they, they can share in the chat and those conversations are just as great learning. And we learn a lot from them too. Cool, cool. Um, do you know what? I think it'd be really useful actually just to take a little bit of a step back because, um, you know, you, you actually you've, you've referred to the network a few times and I, I'm familiar with that, but I'm thinking some of our listeners might not be. And I think you are really, you know, kind of world leading in this area because you've had a network for such a long time and kind of engagement network um and you've been working with them for you know many many years so do you want to just tell us a little bit about your your network um Karen and, and how it started and, and what it's made up of and how it works yep so um in in 2007 um uh, an employee engagement um project group was set up um to really enable engagement to happen and this was sort of to ask so to ask for our people to understand what engaging them to then analyze those results and then to act on them you know so our our our, our kind of tagline was ask analyze act um, and that formed part of a, a continuous conversation cycle and so um a, a, an event was held it was the 3rd of september 2008 um which was a mix of engagement leads or anybody that was really interested in taking engagement forward uh, and, and what they were, were kind of asked is how can we understand our people better and the best way to do that is to identify advocates or champions who who, who, who understand it who are positive role models that will actually go out there and have the conversations so we can get that that two-way insight not just through the people survey but continually throughout the year um, and so those engagement leads were, were asked to sort of go off and sort of find these these wonderful people um, and so the day before and I, I still remember this the day before the next event which was in the December of 2008 my, my manager had said to me Karen what are you doing tomorrow and I'm like I'm working and she's like no I want you to go to this thing at Petty France about engagement and I thought okay so I was in court at the time very operational um and I went along thinking I was just going to be caught to people probably about 20 people half a day no 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 100 people whole day event people from across the department and uh, the then head of the network Rob Neal um, and Richard Mortimer, who, who headed the survey up there, had done this whole event and it just piqued my interest about engagement. And I thought, I really want to find out a bit more about this. So I went away and I did a bit of research. Um, and then there was a next event in, in March, which was in Manchester at the Civil Justice Centre. I still remember it. Um, and at the end of that event, Robert asked, 
you know, we want some people to sort of help plan the next event. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to get involved in some of that. And so between us, we just continue to take the network forward. So we grew, grew it in numbers by holding events, by having conversations with people about how important engagement actually is. Um, and it, we grew it and we grew it. We created tools. So uh, we created something called the Engagement Compendium, which has got 300 hints and tips in it to increase engagement on each of our core survey questions. Uh, and that took three and a half years to write. It was there was blood, sweat and tears involved in it, but it's awesome. And actually now that document is actually used across civil service as best practice, um, which, which is fantastic. In fact, we, we are refreshing it for, for this year, actually. Um, but then the, now the network continued to grow, continued to find more people in each part of the organisation. And it's really organic now in the fact that when champions step down because their their jobs change or they move on they now identify their replacements so it's it's absolutely fantastic and we've gone from you know 100 people at that first event to now a thousand people across the departments 1400 people are then taken into with other government departments so you know we have conversations with other civil service departments and we say well look we're doing this let's not reinvent the wheel let's actually go on this journey together and share some of that some of that best practice oh, i love it it's, it's such such a great case study and i think you know part of the reason that we really want to get you onto the show is obviously because we we think you're great and you do some great work but i think it's really easy to look at you know, the kind of classic sort of tech companies silicon valley style companies who are doing you know doing this engagement in a virtual world but you know as you said you're quite a traditional company and you're doing it you're making it happen so what do you think are your key learnings what's worked really well what, what advice would you give to other companies looking to kind of grow a network like you've grown and engage people in this, this new virtual way of working I think for me I mean especially with moving into the kind of the virtual way of working is don't be afraid to rip up the rule book try mm. things if it doesn't work adapt it learn from it it's um because that's basically what we done i mean we we we've kind of mentioned some of our barriers we have with technology i mean for example we'd only just got ms teams it was gradually being rolled out we've got people on different versions of it at the moment we have a big chunk of our workforce who as part of the the nature of their role won't be accessing it very frequently at all you think of, of a prison officer on the wings so they don't have that access so I think the instinct would have been this isn't going to work for us we, we can't do this but we thought well we've got to try we've got to find a way to make it work and you know we've we've very we've we've kind of done it by, by actually admitting and being really honest up front that we're finding our feet together when we're when, he, when we've run events or anything that you know we keep things quite informal we're understanding you know um we're seeing people in their homes we're seeing some people in their offices but the office is a bit of a different environment now it's not not the place they're used to um and we try try to kind of keep it quite relaxed because to, so it works for people in the way they want it to work. We um, and and not be afraid to try something new. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's really interesting, isn't it? About this sort of almost um, we've talked before about the, the level playing fields that the, the pandemic's created, and that we're all figuring this out together. And I think that's a really refreshing place to be, right? When you go, hey, none of us have been here before. It's completely new to all of us. We've all got some ideas and thoughts on what might have worked in maybe slightly similar scenarios previously, but this is brand new, right? So I think there's something really lovely about being able to be really open and honest about the fact that we're figuring this out together. And people really, they, re they relate to that, don't they? I think, you know? 
Oh, absolutely. And it was quite interesting. We went, we, we ran our most recent event. It was only yesterday. And um, we've used a, a new tool. We do kind of little polls and, and um, votes and things during some of the events. And it was the first time I was using the technology. Karen's kind of a bit of a whiz with it. I, I'm not so much. And it just it just went wrong for me. I, I shared my screen, a different screen popped up with a QR code, like this isn't what you're meant to see. And, you know, there was in back and forth between me and Karen and we got it working in the end, but it was just, people could see, we was just admitted it, you know, that, you know, this happens to the best of us. It just proves that, you know, we, we, we're not all perfect. We're not experts in absolutely everything. And it's absolutely fine. And it's absolutely okay. Um, and it, it happens to the best of us. So, so yeah, yeah we, we, we try to kind of reinforce that and not quite, quite to get panicky or that and actually just make light of it of these things happen. Definitely, definitely. And I know, as you've talked about already, Ruth, you know, you've got a really diverse audience and you've, you know, people talk about, you know, engaging remote workers. I think engaging people that work in prisons has got to be you know it's a story there in its own right okay you know we've had many conversations about this how has it been over the last 12 months in terms of you know and I'm not asking you to share any kind of you know details or, or, or figures but you know what have you found has worked to help engage your audience some of whom are quite hard to reach or quite inaccessible I should say they, they can't have IT and tech because of the nature of their job so it's really challenging. How's that been for you? And what have you what have you been doing? Have you got any ideas or tips you can share with the audience in terms of what's worked for you? I think from my perspective, what's worked is finding the people who can connect kind of with the front line. Um, so, you know, some kind of real allies for us are our HR business partners working in the prisons. They've been able to, because of the nature of their role, been able to do some work remotely but they as soon as they were able to have also gone back into that kind of prison environment and those kind of roles people hub managers who can kind of straddle between the two environments they've been a real key audience so it's finding out who we can connect with who can then advocate Mm. our messages who and then who we can learn from about what the kind of experience of those people on the wings who we might not be able to talk to directly instantly with so really forming those the kind of key allies and those connections mm, great yeah yeah love it um karen have you got any thoughts on on that um so i think from the what have we kind of learned thing and it, it this this does kind of we kind of been talking about this anyway it's, but it's involving everyone so it's not try. it's not about us creating something that we think is going to be absolutely fantastic. We might say, oh, we've got a really good idea here, but actually we've got a captive audience that we can test things with. And they might turn around and say, yeah, that's great, but that's not going to work in this environment or we might want something different for this. So it's the fact that we, we're not afraid to go out and ask. Um, you know, we, we're great at sort of suggesting pilots, but yeah, we absolutely involve everyone. Um, I think in terms of the 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 audience as well in terms of how we've engaged um yet yeah, Ruth's completely spot on it is we've identified 
the, 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 the actual doers. So aside from our um, network, we've actually got a smaller group. So this came from the original forum that were there to create the events, but we've now got an engagement circle, which we dictate who our members of, because we know who we need to get involved. And we, we utilize them to really get that two-way communication going. So we've got a mix of engagement leads, well-being leads, um, engagement champions. Uh, it's nice for the leads to hear the, some of the challenges that the champions are having because they might not necessarily be aware of it. And, and other parts of HR have started utilising that circle. So, you know, our policy team, for example, you've got a captive audience there that you can run things past as part of stakeholder engagement to really know how something's going to land when you, when you roll it out in, in the business. Mm, yeah, great. Um, and something just, just occurred to me in terms of, you know, the role that you're doing, as you say, has kind of changed over years and now you're part of this, the insights team. So, and I, I, and, I, and, I, and I know that you'll be challenged on this, but what insights are you using to measure the success of these events that you're doing or the, the work that you're doing with, with, with the network and how are you measuring success and, and how's it going? So interestingly, Ruth and I had this very conversation yesterday <laughs> following the event. Um, and there's no formal measurement in place. I mean, you know, we, we could do a survey if we chose to. Um, but our success is the fact that we're now on event. We've just done event number 14. We've got 15, 16 and 17 already in the diary and the themes are chosen. The fact that people are attending, the fact that people want to be involved is our our measure of, of success mm. and we're getting more and more people want to come along so you know you know a few people have said oh I've, I've not been receiving this can you add me to your distribution list I've only just find out we've started recording um well, we, we were recording all the sessions anyway but we've now got a streaming channel that we've set up on Thames where we upload all of the videos so if you can't attend or if your connection drops out or if your kid runs in and throws socks at you in the middle of the, of the session don't worry because actually it's all recorded so you can catch up and watch it again afterwards so that's something that that for that well for me anyway that's what I would say is how, how we're measuring it Ruth what about you yeah so I think it's we've it's really hard because it's you know with anything in terms of trying to improve kind of employee experience we've got some we've got data for our people survey we've got data through pulse surveys and this and the other but can we make we can't make an actual direct tangible link if if scores go up and they certainly can say it's because of our events and our network but we we kind of have been getting feedback through um parts of the business coming to us now saying oh we've just found out that this is happening or that this network exists we didn't know this um and we want to do something um around say uh building purpose and resilience with our leadership team um would you guys be able to come along and do a special session for us and it's kind of the fact that we there's been more exposure that that's kind of word of mouth seems to be happening that we know something good must be coming out of it because there's certainly conversations going on that we, we weren't aware of um, and we're getting approaches so yeah. yeah and I think that's 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 really wise because I think sometimes you can, you can overthink the measurement stuff can't you and you can put together really clever 
you know, in-depth psychometric survey, but actually the fact that people are showing up and they're asking for it in itself is great qualitative feedback. And it's just as important, you know, people engaging with what you're doing is just as important and powerful as people ticking a, you know, a box and say, yes, that was a good use of my time, whatever it might be. So I think that's, that's very, very wise. I'm going to open the floor now to questions. Have we got any questions coming through, Katie? Just going to demute. <laughs> Um, no questions as such, but um, we have Sarah on the call who works for MS who said she's also getting real benefits out of using Teams and how it's bringing people together. Um, in fact, they actually have a cook along with both customers and colleagues this week with one of the chefs. So, again, just another way of using tech to kind of connect people. Yeah. Um, I quite like the, the, the idea of bringing employees and customers together as well. I think that's pretty cool. Definitely, definitely. Um, B, I'm going to come over to you. Have you got any questions for Karen and Ruth on uh, the, the brilliant case study they've shared? I have. Thank you so much for sharing. I've absolutely loved listening in. Um, and a couple of things are sort of forming in my head, but as yet a little bit ill-formed. But I think there's something when you said right at the beginning, um, you talked about, you know, what you found out right at the beginning is that people liked learning from each other. Um, and I think that's one of the things that when we're all suddenly virtual or remote, that we kind of, one would anticipate that learning from each other-ness would disappear. But then what I heard, you know, you were also talking about how um, there's something about putting your learning into a virtual space has actually given me people more control over what, what learning they, they um, want and what they engage with. And also just something about the chat, it's such a tactical thing. But the fact that I suppose is that side chat or conversation that might have it in a traditional training environment that side chat or conversation might happen in twos or threes but actually be invisible to you as the organizer so having that chat visible giving people more control and these are all things that i think are unex they feel to me like unexpected benefits of doing our, le our learning and our connection virtually so it's not really a question it's just an observation but yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts on that observation on what i've missed and what what you can add to that uh, yeah, no, I, it's the chat has been really useful because we we learn what more about what's important to people through the kinds of things they're saying and discussing. Mm -hmm. I think one of our really it was at our, I think our engagement fundamentals, um, our first event, and we we were talking about kind of different approaches and different theories and things like that. And um, somebody mentioned in the chat, is it any different for engaging volunteers as in, engaging employees and we kind of reflected back on that and thought we work with or a lot of volunteers in the Ministry of Justice you know we work with with um, voluntary judicial appointments kind of people on um, in tribunals you know there's actually a, a magistrates and you know, people are kind of connecting with them even if it's not necessarily kind of managing the volunteers there is a lot of inter interaction with them and that kind of made us, us reflect and think, OK, what are the different nuances here? Because are the different motivations um, for, for people who, who volunteer than, than not. So we that helped us shape a whole future event. We've done a whole event on on working with volunteers. Great. So I think from, from my perspective on that one, then, is and thinking about your, your point, Belinda, about the, 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 those little conversations. Actually, when you're facilitating something face to face as a facilitator, you tend to stop those conversations because it's actually distracting. So I know when I've run 
uh, I'm a scout leader, you might see from the, the necker that's hanging hanging behind me. And my role is actually around um, upskilling our, our adult volunteers and some young leaders to sort of do, to kind of be able to, to, to do their roles. And, you know, I will always stop those conversations taking place because it's actually distracting and taking it away from the, the front led. But actually we've turned all of our scout training online as well and done it all virtually. And now that those chats, it, it's perfectly fine and we're we're learning more from it so I think that's one of the huge benefits of being able to mm -hmm. to deliver a learning experience in, in in a virtual way just so interesting so much food for thought I'm in the middle of designing a learning program at the moment that's gone from live to virtual and I actually I'd never really thought about the power of that parallel conversation to really feed into that self-directed learning I've thought about it from an engagement perspective but not in terms of what we as organizers can get from it and also just the ability to allow people to influence the, the learning you know which is what we all want people to be able to do isn't it take control over their learning and that's such a powerful tool thank you so much yeah the light bulb moment for me yeah just um, just sorry go justin go for it go for it well i was just going to jump in uh because we've had a so first of all laura was re reflecting be that um they also started a management peer-to-peer -peer group and that's been really valuable. Um, but we've had a, a question from Sarah um, and uh, I this was kind of buzzing around my head as well. So I'm delighted that, that Sarah's, uh, uh, that we're thinking in the same terms. So Sarah's wondering how long you'd run the network at Circles, um, which, but also I think really interesting top tips on keeping it fresh as well. So, you know, I think it'd be great to hear a little bit more of the the stuff that's obvious to you, Karen and Ruth, because you know what you do, and to a degree, Emma. Uh, but for for those listeners and viewers who don't who don't really know what what, what would it what would I what would a typical event look like? Um, you know, what's what form does it take? What happens before and during and after? Give us some uh, give us some insight into some kind of top tips so that if anyone who's watching or listening thinks, oh, I'd like to do something like that myself, they have some sort of starters. If that would be okay, I'd be delighted to hear from you both. Yeah, sure. So uh, Ruth, if I took the network and you took the circle, that probably makes sense because of the length of time we've been involved in both. So um, network's been going for 12, nearly 13 years now. Um, and in terms of keeping it fresh, we've adapted the strategy every few years. So 2008 to 2016 which was actually when I took it over as the kind of lead before Ruth joined me um it, it was just a once a year big bang event always themed so we had themes from you know the Olympics we were really lucky in 2012 that we actually had someone who was part of the opening ceremony who came along and reenacted some of that opening ceremony uh we did an event that was all based around Formula One because uh, someone in the forum had listened to an interview by David Coulthard talking about the racing line and we're like oh you know the racing line is the optimum way around the racing track so you know engagement is the optimum way around the organization and what's the vehicle that drives it and so that became the theme we also did one around um airbnb cabin crew and people to this day still remember when i was dressed up as a virgin um cabin crew um so you know that 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 was what that was and then but by the time we got to, to 2016 the network was too big so it was about 
700 people at that stage, which, you know, to try and get all of those people in a space is going to cost you an arm and a leg. Um, and we know we, we reviewed the people that came to the events and we it was the same people come in. And as Ruth mentioned earlier, the challenges were being released, particularly if you're at the other end of the country, to fly down hotels, as, as well as the time taking you away from the, from, from the business and doing your work. So... My, my colleague and I, um, Shirley, who I was working with in the network at the time, we decided to hit the re reset button on it uh, and, and changed it. Instead of doing one event, we did eight events, which we did regionally. So we went to them. So it was only the two of us traveling instead of 400 people traveling down to us. And we done events in, in different parts of the organization. So we did events in prisons, we did events in courts, so, so that someone who worked in a court could go into a prison and actually see what it's like. So, you know, and, and that and that was quite good as well. So we did that for a couple of years. And then when Ruth joined again, we, we carried that on. Um, and then and then we decided, OK, we need to look at. OK, we need to look at the champions. We need to look at what they know about engagement. Where are some of their gaps? And that's when we then took it into the capability build space to, to help people understand what engagement is. Um, and so we developed with the champions. So we did this in 2018, I think it was, Ruth. We went up and down the country, started in Dorset in January. We've got a whole story around bag ladies that we can save for another show. Um, and we we started with a blank sheet of paper on an, an assessment tool. And by the time we'd done the event in June in, in Edinburgh, we had a tool that people could use to um, self-assess the, what their understanding of engagement is. And then a practitioner's guide that sits alongside it to help them build their capability. Um, and then we, you know, our, our strategy was then to just to do north and south, but obviously COVID hit and that's when we went virtual. So that's what, how, how we've sort of developed the network and how it's changed um, over time. Uh, Ruth, do you want to talk about the circle? Yeah, so our engagement circle has been going, I think our first meeting was September 2019 and it was in a room in our offices in Docklands. And then we had another one just before lockdown in a room um, in the same place in, in February um, last year. And that has become virtual as well, very much like our, our events. And it's actually, we think it's been a really good opportunity. So it's quite a new, fresh thing anyway, but we think, you know, where we have been able to make it virtual and not everybody has to travel or be in that room together um, has given us a bit more flexibility with how with how we run that circle so what we're able to do now is kind of really mix it up so we've got a very varied agenda every time me and Karen will give updates and things that might be going on kind of with our our engagement strategy or say the the surveys that are coming up or some research we're doing but it's given us the opportunity to bring other parts of the business to come and talk to the circle because they now don't have to give up however much time to come and visit a group of people not knowing if they're going to turn up and only two people have arrived something like that we we give them a slot on the agenda and then they can kind of talk about um planned approaches to policy work or ask for feedback ask this group of people how it lands so we we vary up the we vary up kind of guest speakers or kind of the, the types of things we're going to talk about and address that day and we keep it all very um, I mean me and Karen don't actually talk very much at any of these circle meetings it's very much that opportunity for people to talk together so we we we, we don't really we say we dictate the membership but we don't dictate kind of how how 
the, the sessions are going to go and run. So I think that keeps people interested and wanting to join them. Um, and, and in terms of the format, I think we, with, with the engagement events, the, the learning events we've been running, I mean, we've, we've tried to keep them kind of quite mixed up. So it's not just myself and Karen running them that we've brought in the guest speakers. Um, we, we generally run a format in terms of we'll start with maybe a presentation, although we probably do something interactive with like a vote or a poll or ask people to flood the chat with thoughts. Um, and then we take kind of people into half hour workshops into breakout rooms so they can um, they will have tasks relating to kind of what we've we've just been going through. Um, but um, they and then they'll come back from their workshop sessions and feedback afterwards. But the actual content, we try and keep it quite varied. So we're not too heavy just on theory. We're not too heavy on on one thing. We keep it quite quite light and mix up maybe kind of this is what the research says this is what the theory says this is what you can do in reality and and, and um, what you can take back to your team so we, we try and keep it a quite quite a mix so so it stays fresh oh thank you very much for both of you for that and an obvious question forgive me uh, if i've missed this entirely what's the difference between the circle and the network So we, we, oh, sorry, go and go for it, Rafe. Go okay. For it. So the network is the is kind of the overall champions network. So it's all of our champions, um, okay. which might be volunteers. It might be people who become champions because it's part of their role, so their engagement lead. The circle, I would say, are a are a small group that we can really kind of gauge who have real connections and have got some very kind a very proven track record of taking kind of what what we produce kind of for the network out to their champions they kind mm -hmm. of almost lead their champions um they um they've got good networks themselves connect with them so we're a small group where we can kind of run initial ideas past and that other parts of the organization can run initial ideas past and connect us with other champions who we might not have those close relationships with us, with ourselves. Does that sum it up, Karen, kind of? Gotcha. <laughs> so there, there's, you're sort of like the special forces then, the, the, the circle. It's like, the, the, I want to be in the circle. I don't, I don't care about the network. Um, and just, sorry, one last really practical question. Um, how long are you? So you've gone from uh, Karen, particularly big day long events with 700 people. Uh, and then you kind of reduce them down. But so how long are you actually getting people to spend in a virtual setting uh, for these network meetings now? How many hours? Uh, no more than two. Yeah. And that, that includes the introductions. About generally 45 minutes to go through the theory, um, half an hour to do a bit of practice, come back, vote for the theme of the next event, and then do feedback. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do keep it like We always try and finish early as well so we were trying to finish in like an, an hour and 50 so give people that magic 10 minutes back in their, in their diary before their next sort of session starts um and that was that was based on the feedback that we got from the survey actually in terms of small bite size and we thought so let's create that virtually then oh thank you i'm i'm heartened to hear that um partly because we all are aware of organizations who've just gone oh well, we'll just do it online and you're going no, you can't do that. But also because that links really nicely to uh, to conversations that myself and Emma are having. 
the moment about this whole reinvention of the learning journey. So uh, looking at breaking things down in small chunks, as you've said, and creating a more hybrid process where you're dipping in and out with a group of people, kind of like blending the coaching model of six sessions and taking the, the traditional vertical training eight hours in a day and psh, crashing that onto the side. So I'm heartened um, that uh, two hours as well. It's interesting. That's when people ask me, I'm like, two hours. Uh, I don't know whether there's any scientific research proving why it's two hours, but that seems to be working, doesn't it? Uh, any more and it's a bit of a stretch, any less and it's a bit tight time-wise. Um, thank you both. Uh, I've hogged the limelight enough. I'm going to hand back over to, to Emma. Yeah, we're almost at time. Um, and I, yeah, just, just hearing you, um, Karen, talk about all those events, I just, lots of memories coming back. I remember the, the Olympic one. I remember being in York with you guys, in Cardiff with you guys. So it's been wonderful to to you to come and share your journey with, with, with our, our audience. I think people are really interested in the, in the practical side. So thank you, Justin, for those really practical questions. And what we'll do in the show notes as well is um, I'll include a, a free copy of our engagement champion role profile. It's one of our most downloaded requested um, resources because people want to see what does it look like if you're going to get engagement champions or this network together, what, what might they do? So we'll, we'll include that as well. And just um, kind of a, a final thought for me and one last question for you. Um, I was doing some read this week actually about, you know, inevitably working in a virtual way has kind of decreased our social capital, i.e. We, we're not having the connections, the water cooler conversations. But what I love about your case study here, or your, your story is that you found the opposite. You found that people are connecting more. So it's really great to find examples that kind of buck the trend and make you go, hang on a minute, let's just not accept that as a truth because there are organizations who are finding that, you know, your story illustrates that working in a virtual way has actually helped to, you know, improve the effectiveness of, of, of the network. You know, so there's more conversation, people are getting involved more. So I really love that because it's sort of saying, actually, it doesn't have to be this way. And we're not saying that one's better than the other. We know it's much more complex than that, but it just shows if done in the right way, you know, working this virtual way can, can have some real advantages. So on that, I'd just like to ask you what next, where are you going to take this next? What plans have you got for, for what comes next? Oh, don't want to reveal too much, but um, so we, we've sort of been looking at, okay, we're doing all these workshops and they're great, um, but we want people using them. We want people to be able to consolidate the learning that they've done as part of the sessions. So we are creating, uh, and in fact, it will be launching in just short of a month's time, um, our People Engagement Academy. So this has kind of come from um, the fact that Ruth and I, during lockdown, have been involved in some virtual running. So uh, you can't quite see, but on the back of my door, I've got, a set of, I've got some medals. So a couple of them we've actually been able to do together. So the Halloween run, that we've done a 5K run together on that and got a lovely a medal. Um, the, the Christmas one was 25 miles over 12 days, got a lovely, lovely medal. And it's always involving gin, which has us, you only have to say gin and we're there. Then we done a Valentine's one, which we had planned to do together, but we ended up doing separately. And Ruth created a most amazing video of joining us together. It's, we'll have to show it to you sometime. It's absolutely hilarious. And so we thought, well, we know the benefits that we've been getting from this and how it's, it's added value and kept us going. So how can we keep the engagement going? So we thought, actually, let's turn some of these workshops um, 
to encourage people to do the workshops themselves in their own parts of the organisation. Um, but what they get out of it is um, some stamps. And then after so many stamps, they'll get a virtual postcard. So we'll start at the journey. We'll uh, at 10 stamps in, they'll get a, a walking badge all the way up to the heady heights of 200 stamps being the Olympian badge. And it's part of this is also linking with the Fitbit as well. So if you've got a Fitbit and you do the kind of every so often you'll get, um, you do so many steps and you get a badge. And obviously with the, the whole scout leader thing as well, everyone loves a badge. So that's part of what we've um, got got planned anyway. Ruth, do you want to talk a bit, a bit more about what, we'd, what we're going to do when we go, we can get back out into, into the offices? Yeah, so I think the thing, where we kind of feel that also going virtual with the events has benefited us is that we now when we do go out and around and talk to our people on site when um when when we're able to get that out, back out to there we're going to spend more of that time rather than delivering things listening to people so i mentioned i think right at the start we're about to embark on some work developing personas so we can now actually spend much more time observing people's day-to-day -day kind of pains and gains in their roles and spend that kind of quality time with people really kind of quality for us learning and finding out more about what what their day-to-day -day work is and then with the cape we can kind of stick to the more short bite-sized stuff to kind of share and and encourage encourage the learning so it, it's gonna we feel it's making gonna let us be able to use our time in a much more kind of um just a, a, a greater way to really, really make work better for our people. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And thank you both for coming on the show. It's been brilliant to hear from you. And love the fact that you're basically gamifying your uh, your engagement network, which I love. And we're hopefully going to have a future show on gamification. So more of that coming up shortly, hopefully. Um, thank you massively to, for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Always good to, to, to see you both and, and hear what you're up to. Um, I'm going to hand back over to, to Justin to, um, to, to finish us off today. Yes, thank you, Emma. And again, a final thanks to Karen and to Ruth for joining us today. And uh, I'll be taking away the phrase, everybody loves a badge. Um, that's what I'm going to take away with me from today's show. True that, true that. Um, folks, next time on uh, the Reset Show on the 5th of May, we will be joined by author, consultant and global neuroscience expert, Hilary Scarlett. And we will be talking about how we can help understand what's going on in our brains when we're, we're navigating change. So yet again, a very hot topic. We've all been navigating one hell of a lot of change over the last year. So what's been going on inside there um, and what can we do about it? So um, uh, do join us uh, for, for that one. If you'd like to receive all the follow-up resources from the show, then make sure you're, you're subscribed to The Reset Show. And if you're listening on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and share again with the podcast. The more you like and subscribe and share, the more you contribute to spreading the good word of The Reset Show. So thank you again to our invited uh, studio audiences. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to my co-hosts and uh, producer. We will see you all next time. Over and out.